Hi, my name is Detective Pikachu. My name is Detective Skitty. Try again. Why? Why can't I be Detective Skitty? <laughs> Nobody knows what a Skitty is. It doesn't have. Everybody knows what a Skitty is. That's not true. Unless you're a Pokemon okay, fan. Okay, fine. Do it again. Do it again. Or you are a fan of that. No, do it again. Do it if again. If you're a fan of that meme where a Skitty and a Whale Lord have sex, then maybe you know what it is. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> okay, do that it again. That was like an. Oh, okay. Hello, my name is Detective Pikachu. And I'm that Psyduck that's also in that movie. <laughs> and this is No Nerds Allowed. That's really good, Adelaide. And there are no nerds allowed. <laughs> I, like, have a headache and I, like, ask for a <laughs> massage or something. Yeah, and then Ryan Reynolds is like, I don't want to have to give a massage to a duck. Yeah. And then he says, I'm a mouse. Because he's Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, and then he says, fuck. Why hasn't anybody done that? Remember after Age of Ultron came out and there were all these edits that people did of putting lines from Robert California from The Office over Ultron? Oh, yeah. Why hasn't anybody done that for Deadpool and Detective Pikachu yet? I don't know. I want know. that on my desk by 5 o'clock. Well, because the whole thing is Detective... I guess, no, it wasn't. Detective PG, Pikachu was PG. I thought it was PG-13, so I thought they could slip one F word in there. No. But they didn't because they're no. cowards. <laughs> Did you know that Lord of the Rings is PG-13, so they technically could have slipped in one F-word, but they didn't? Yeah, I saw that post on Tumblr also. Yeah, everyone was like, where's the best place to put the F-word in Lord yeah. of the Rings? And it's in really fairness, funny. it was very funny. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> the one you brought like up a meme where a skinny and a narwhal have sex, so yeah, I'm not the problem here. The joke was that, like, there's breeding, like, sort of categories in Pokemon, where it's, like, different Pokemon get put into different sort of, like, subsections of, like, what kind of thing they are. Um, and those kinds of Pokemon can, like, have an egg together. But if they're from different ones, they can't. Um, but Skitty and Waylord are in the same one. So people like to make jokes about a Skitty and a Waylord having sex. How have you been? I've been Good. Good. Yeah, uh, I... You want to know? I've got a lot of energy today. Okay. Um, And it's because I drank a soda that has Giarna in it. What is a Giarna? That's a really good question. I know that the bottle had the word energy printed on it. Okay. Um, I looked it up, and apparently Giarna is something that they're marketing as like a like a healthy alternative to caffeine it's like oh, it gives okay. you those same like endorphins or whatever that caffeine gives you except a cursory google search reveals that giarna totally is BS. just a well yeah well it's not bs but like giarna is just a plant that has caffeine in it yeah <laughs> so no yeah it's just still caffeine <laughs> yeah no i sent oh i forgot what i was gonna say Oh, remember when you had a Red Bull Italian soda and listened to All of American Idiot and cried? Yeah, that was uh, during my pre-calculus class in my <laughs> junior year of high school. <laughs> I think that's literally my favorite story about you, is that one right. time you got a Red Bull, Red Bull Italian soda, drank all of it, and decided to listen to All of American Idiot and cried in your calculus class. Yeah, um, that's the thing about me, is that like, 
a lot of the times, like when You've I got drink big caffeine, emotions and you're not afraid of them. <laughs> right. Well, when I drink a lot of caffeine, like if I'm doing something like just now, I drank a lot of caffeine and I was like filming a videos and I'm recording a podcast. So I'm like expending that energy, you know? Yeah. But um, if I'm just like sitting around, then like that energy doesn't translate into like physical energy. It just translates into like really strong emotional energy <laughs> for me. <laughs> So, like, usually that just means that, like, I think about death a lot, but sometimes okay. that means that I cry when I listen to American Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Do you want to ask me what movie we watched today? What movie did we watch today, Jackson? Today we watched Thoroughbreds, which is a movie I talked about earlier on the podcast that you expressed interest in, so I decided I wanted... To, yeah. to watch it. Uh, okay, so I decided on this movie for three very specific reasons. The first of which is that I'm always trying to, like, break out of the sort of niche that we've carved for ourselves of watching, like, blockbuster children's movies. Because <laughs> for some <laughs> reason, that's, like, all we do on this podcast for some reason. Um, They're the only also, ones I have an opinion about. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But also, um, I want to work on... This is just a movie that I really like, you know, that I'm not quite as critical of as most of the movies that we do on this show. And I want to work on being more eloquent when I'm describing things that I like versus just when I'm criticizing movies, which I feel like is something that maybe both of us can work on. Um, and the third the reason, And the third reason was um, something I don't remember, so get back to me on Some that other one. third thing. And some other third thing. Um, I guess it was just that I mentioned it before and you said that you were um, interested yeah. in seeing I, it. Well, because the concept is you said it was two girls plot, two horse girls plot their friend's stepdad's murder. And all of those yes. were enough funny words combined in a sentence <laughs> that I was like, um, hell yes. But then the movie was like serious and I was like, oh, yeah. well. Well, you know, it's kind of a comedy. No. It's like a dark comedy. It's, it's, I really like this movie. It's a cool movie. It's a beautiful movie. I love how it was shot. I like the cinematography. I, I that's it. That's all I have to say. Yeah. I think probably about 90% of why I love this movie so much is just how great the score is. Oh, um, yeah. I forgot to look it up beforehand. I should have. I'm going to look up who wrote the music for it. John Williams. It's not John Williams. I I've made, sure I've been. John Williams. I've been burned before on saying something wasn't John Williams, and it it's was Danny. John Williams, though, it's, so... It's Danny Elfman. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's John Williams and Danny Elfman. They had a baby. That's not true. John Williams is about 300 years old, so I don't he think that's... still make sweet love. <laughs> I don't know. I guess, I don't know, I guess there's no male equivalent to menopause, so I guess maybe he <laughs> could have. Um, okay. Eric Friedlander did the music for this movie. Um... Who else? He also did um, not many other movie soundtracks. Mostly he's just a jazz <laughs> and musician. That's it. Um, well, and that's another thing that's interesting about this movie. Um, the director Corey Finley is um, a, a playwright, typically, and he hmm. wrote this movie as a play. Um, I can see it. Yeah, but then decided he wanted to make a movie instead, and that was sort of one of the dialogues that was going through my head on this watch, because I was thinking a lot about like. Should this maybe have just been a play? I mean, yeah, there's not that many <laughs> locations and there's right. not that many characters. So I feel like it, it was definitely written as like a two woman play. Yeah. Like I totally see that. That makes it's, a lot of sense. Yeah, it's defo like a like a black box kind of show. Mm-hmm. Um 
so yeah, so basically the conceit of this movie is that um, Anya Taylor Joy of Split and The Witch and uh, the upcoming blockbuster New Mutants, which is definitely coming out someday. Oh um, man! <laughs> oh man, New Mutants. Olivia Cook of Ready Player One fame uh, play these two like rich white girls, like they're they're like they're horse girls. Yeah. Um, and. Andy Taylor-Joy hates her stepdad super a lot, and they kind of just decide that they're going to kill him. That's what they're going to do. Um, and a lot of the movie revolves around Olivia Cook's character just being, like, a real and true sociopath. Like, somebody who doesn't have any sort of empathy for people around her. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that that sort of... Um, I don't want to say rubs off on Anya Taylor-Joy because one of the things that I really like about this movie is how, like, Anya Taylor-Joy ends up being more murderous than Olivia Cook is oh, <laughs> by yeah. the end of this movie. And that's what's sort of interesting. It's like their murderous intent, they both have it, but it's very different, you oh, know? Yeah. Like, um, Olivia Cook's character is more like, oh, well, it's... <laughs> It's just practical for us to kill this guy, you know? Like, why not kill this guy? But then when it starts to get hard, she says, like, okay, well, maybe we shouldn't because it's just not working out. But Anya Taylor-Joy is like, no. We have to kill my stepdad. Um, You're laughing. It's not a joke, Jackson. I don't know why you think this movie's so funny. It's not a funny movie. Well, I mean, I don't know. There's this sort of... It's this, like, subtle dark comedy. It's 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 definitely there. It's looking at evil from a from a perspective without morals and then looking at it at a perspective with emotion. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why when it gets hard, she goes, well, it's like it's not worth anymore. Who cares? And she, right. since she has that she has that urge to do it, she has the motivation, she has that emotion that pushes right. her to do it when common sense would say not to. Right, exactly. No, and I mean when you talk about dark comedy, it's like this is a comedy in the same sense that Fight Club is a comedy. Like, there, it's not laugh out loud funny, but there's like sort of a, I don't know, almost like farcical humor to it, in a certain kind of way. Don't pretend like I'm a crazy person. This movie is billed as a dark comedy on all movie websites. That's what this movie is. Uh, the, the concept of it is, but, like, literally from the first shot, it's, like, so clearly not. Like, I don't get any, I don't get any comedic beats throughout this whole film. Like You didn't think the stepdad was funny at all. No, I thought he was, like, realistic asshole. Yeah, but there's that moment. Okay, what about when they're teaching each other how to cry, and the stepdad just walks in and is like, I just need to get my juice. Dude, that dude is so creepy that... <laughs> To me, it was it. It wasn't funny because it was, because, <laughs> because <laughs> he's the stepdad. We've established he's the stepdad. We've established that we don't like him, and he's walked in on them doing something weird. So the fact that I think that he's going to do something bad, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't funny because men are scary. <laughs> okay. I get this movie was so. It, it's not like other movies. It's not like other movies. <laughs> right. So it's. It's definitely, like, it feels like an independent film. Like, it's yeah. weird enough that it feels like an independent film. And so, I don't know. I feel like those the dark comedy didn't hit me as hard because it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. Gotcha. So, you're saying it was harder to contextualize because it was so... 
Yeah. Like, just sort of different than what you're used to. Yeah. Especially because you already talked about the soundtrack, but it's because the soundtrack is so weird and jarring. It's like these African, like, drums and animal yeah, God, sounds. Yeah, I love the soundtrack. Yeah, um, it's super cool, but it immediately sends you on edge. So if a funny situation is happening, I kind of lose the right. funny situation because I'm losing my mind over these African drums. Right. I am such a sucker for, like, steady percussion in movie soundtracks. That's part of the reason why I love Daniel Pemberton so much as a composer, because he's constantly pushing like, uh, like a like a rock drum kind of sound, um, and that is like not exactly the same, but kind of similar to what this movie soundtrack does. Because it's always got like this really driving beat to it, mm-hmm. um, which I think is just I don't know. It, there's it gives such an urgency and such an energy into any scene that you utilize. Oh it in, yeah. And I, I think it's so cool. Not to mention, I also want to point out there's a moment in this soundtrack where um, there's, like, this violin that comes in that's, like, mimicking the sound of a horse whinny. Oh, yeah. Did you catch that? There's this yeah, moment I where did. this violin is like, it's, it's really good. It's a yeah. super good soundtrack. Um, as far as my notes, um, my uh, the first thing I have written down, what did you just send me? Nothing, don't worry about it. Just a gif of a horse. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, <laughs> the, uh, why are you searching horse gifs in the middle of our podcast? Why do you, what are you talking about? Why wouldn't I be doing that? <laughs> do you know um, me? <laughs> some of the, one of the things that this movie does a handful of times that I think is really cool is just sort of these general, like, shot reverse shot sort of things. But typically when you're setting up shots like that, you, um you put the person on the opposite side of the screen from the direction they're facing. So they have plenty of like headroom, you know, Mm -hmm. they're looking towards the majority of the screen, but this movie does sort of the opposite. It puts their heads facing like directly off screen. They're like on the opposite side of the screen that they normally would be. Mm -hmm. And it has this really weirdly jarring effect. It's like the way my professor put it was like, imagine a picture of somebody just sprinting and they're at like the very edge of the frame (laughs) like there's something weirdly off-putting about it yeah and it like it takes this really sort of benign interaction between these two girls and it just makes it there's something wrong with it you know yeah no that's I just feel like how that's what the whole movie is like because like thinking about the stuff that like actually happens in this film like scene by scene like honestly not a lot happens like it's a lot of talking and a lot of character stuff but like if you were like making like a list of like things that they do it's a pretty short list right but that tension and that uncomfortableness and that weirdness gets built up well like first of all through the music and then second of all on the way they frame these girls in a way that makes you uncomfortable even before you learn that one of them is a sociopath right yeah um and i uh, the next thing i've written down is just that olivia cook is so like powerful in this oh, movie. Yeah. Like that very first interaction between the two of them where she's like taking that sword off the wall and she's mm-hmm. just like is this your sword? <laughs> like <laughs> it's so good. Like she just exerts this like absolute confidence in like this really really interesting way. Well, yeah, cuz he's just sociopath. Yeah, exactly. She just doesn't fucking give a shit about anything or anyone. <laughs> like literally. Um and just another moment in this funny in this movie that I think is very funny. Um, the uh, and I also I just wanted to note also like how different her performance in this movie is 
from her one in Ready Player One. I know that you haven't seen it, but she plays like Mm -hmm. the just sort of like ingenue romantic interest. Yeah. She's, you know, the girl with the big anime eyes, you know? Yeah. And then she shows up in real life and, oh no, she's got a horrible deformity on her face. But in reality, that just means that she has like kind of a scar on her cheek that she covers up with her hair. And you're like, that yeah. doesn't, this is nothing. Um, regardless, like she's just this very pretty, like she's like this total, everybody talks about how she's a manic pixie dream girl. That's just like the character. She's like this ingenue dream girl in Ready Player One. And her performance mm-hmm. in that and her performance in this are so like stellarly different like especially mm-hmm. in her voice like her voice is just like so much deeper in this movie and it's so cool to me and i also have written down that the stepdad is just really great in this movie yeah he's so off-putting like ugh. ew <laughs> you saying you would have killed him too if he was your stepdad yes if yelled at my mom i would kill him <laughs> okay here's just another moment i wrote down because i thought it was funny There's that moment where Olivia Cook is, like, coming out of the shower after that first, like, weird weird exchange that they have between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And she's, like, kind of making faces in the mirror. And she gives this smile that's just, like, this super weird, like, wrong smile. (laughs) I don't know what it is. There's just something really funny about it to me. Like, just No, she was trying to look like the other girl. She had her bangs and everything. That was exactly. But, yeah, and there's a handful of moments where she's, like... Where she sort of, in trying to, like, emulate emotion, she gets things, like, just a little bit wrong. Like, her giving that weird smile in the mirror, like, oh, I look like my friend, is kind of funny. And then there's this moment later where she's calling somebody, like, a business, and um, they pick up the phone, and she's just like, hey, how's it going? And the person on the other end is like, uh, uh, good, how can, how can I help you? <laughs> Like, you know, and it's, I don't know, maybe it's just especially funny to me because I can relate to that experience being on the other end of that. I've worked yeah. at jobs where I've had to answer phones the last like three years. And like every once in a while, someone, when I pick up the phone, I'm like, hey, this is Jimmy John's or whatever. And they're just like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, uh, not a whole lot. I'm working right now. What's up with you? you know? Hey, what's up? <laughs> this is Jimmy John's. <laughs> So the answer is it's going pretty bad. Because <laughs> I'm working at Jimmy John's. Yeah, I'm working at Jimmy John's. Just order some food, please. Yeah. Just How tell good me what do you, you want think me to it bring could you. be going? You know who you're calling. Um, <laughs> also, okay. Jimmy John is a big hunter, just like the guy who gets murdered in this movie. Oh, that's true. That's okay. The- that's the first thing they do to establish that he's an asshole. So just to say that he's a big game hunter, which like <laughs> right. I get, yeah. but <laughs> I was gonna say it is a little bit on the nose, but like true, yeah. it's it's very effective in how yeah. on the nose it is. Um, and okay, just one other thing going back to like dark comedies, I have noticed a lot of the time with movies like this, movies like Fight Club or Fargo, they get funnier the more times you watch them. Very and very I've, true. And I've seen this three times now, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? And I'm thinking back at the first time I watched it, I probably didn't really think it was very funny at all. Yeah. Um, so stop doinking on me. <laughs> Sorry, well, I'm not. I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going back. I'm, <laughs> I'm going back. I'm trying my, to assume that you're not a total loser. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm addending, addendum, I'm adding an addendum. Addendum to bean. <laughs> My previous doinking on you, to use your terminology. 
Anyway. I'm rescinding a previous doink. Um, yeah. The, uh, uh... Okay, so... One of the earlier moments in this movie, while they're still just sort of getting to know each other, mm-hmm. um, they're just sitting on the couch watching this movie where this actress is crying. Um, and it, first of all, it's the only instance I could think of in a movie where, like, someone watches a movie and they're oh, yeah. not just totally bludgeoning you with the themes of the movie based on oh, what yeah. movie they're watching. Or they're um, like, yeah. Go ahead. Or they're like... <laughs> Making a point about the character, but, like, in the most ham-fisted way possible. Like, Um, I don't know. If they had been trying to make a romantic pixie dream girl and she was watching, like, old movies or she was watching Fight Club, then that would be... (laughs) Right, yeah. But it's like, no, they're just watching old movies because they're people and sometimes they watch movies. Yeah. Um, But so this moment comes where they're talking about, like, oh, she's not... (laughs) They do this weird thing in this movie where they talk about fake crying. They say using the technique and you can like feel that like the technique is in capital letters yeah um which i think is kind of dumb it's a weird way to talk about that it's but like whatever telicized. yeah exactly but she's like oh she's just using the technique and then Anya taylor joy is like well okay you know it's not really that easy to just cry like that and then she turns around and olivia cook is just like has tears streaming down her face and it's like what the fuck like it's so crazy oh <laughs> like, yeah that performance is so wild because you're watching her the whole time and she just starts like (laughs) and like real tears just start to stream down her face like in that instant and then she just like stops just as quickly and you're like what the fuck like that was so creepy and weird yeah (laughs) what do you have written down in your notes Adeline uh so do you want me to actually tell you what I have written down or do you want me to like okay so first one is uh, did she kill the horse with three X with three question marks? And then later you find out that she does. So I yes. wasn't gonna bring it up, but I guess I will now. <laughs> okay. Uh, the next I wrote the music is weird, which it is, but it's really cool. Uh, and then I wrote these girls are like twelve, which they are. <laughs> and okay. then I wrote down I hate the stepdad, and I do. And then and then I wrote down that movies always have these teen parties, and I've never seen anything like them. Like, I thought we were, pa- like, as a society, we were past conveying high school in an unrealistic way. But, <laughs> right. like, have you ever been to a party in high school where there's 10 billion teens there, uh, they're all drinking, there's lots of very colorful lights, it's at right. a rich kid's house, and you personally hate being there? Because that happens <laughs> in every single teen movie, right. and uh, I yeah. don't know why. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I don't think our teenage experience was precisely the universal one. No. I don't think that that never happens. But it's just know. like, I guess I've only, re- the only other time I've seen it is in uh, To All the Boys I've Loved Before. But it's like almost literally the exact same scene in that yeah. other movie too. No, I mean, right off the top of my head, I'm thinking about Spider-Man Homecoming. I'm Truth. thinking about Sky High. I don't know why Truth. I'm thinking about Sky High, but yeah, I Yeah, why are you thinking about Sky High? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just remember it's like that total like house party trope of like yeah. the nerdy lead is like throws a party at his house, but they start thrashing it, and he's like, oh no, God, this guy's got cake on his fingers, and he's climbing up the wall. Stop that! My dad um, <laughs> is a guy! And, okay, you know what I remember about that scene really vividly? Okay. I remember watching it on TV at age probably nine or ten. Um, this is a Disney Channel original movie, mind you. 
Um, I'm watching it in the living room. Our viewers know what Sky High is, Jackson. Yeah. Um, I, I, so I don't think I'm, like, watching it with my parents, but I think my mom is just kind of, like, in and out in the room, you know? And they get to that, like, house party scene, and my mom starts, like getting weirdly upset about it and like walks over to the TV and she like covered up the TV with the jacket she was wearing for a little while and I remember just being like "It's this is on the Disney channel mom like what do you think is about to be so inappropriate that you don't want me to see and she was like Jack, I, they're just like teenagers partying and I don't know where this is gonna go <laughs> that seems like a mom thing to do were you there for that? no I remember that so vividly outside Franklin couldn't handle it um so yeah that was my sky high story thank you you're um, welcome <laughs> the uh okay so speaking of that house party scene um this is where we're introduced to Anton Yelchin's character uh, I don't know the names of any of the characters in this movie no I have uh, no idea what any of them are named but, one of them is um, Amanda I don't know which one yes true um <laughs> I was trying to remember which one was Amanda couldn't do I it. think it's the sociopath. I think that's Amanda. Um, but Anton Yelchin... So this was the last movie that Anton Yelchin was in before he died. Um, oh. Or that was released before he died. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things that, like, these kinds of movies, I'm always, you know, obviously, like, inevitably sort of get praise from the actor who just died, you know, because people, mm-hmm. like, want to, like, remember him fondly and are excited about seeing him one last time. Um and there's always a part of me that's like, okay, but were they really that good? Or, you know, or is it just because they died that people speak so highly of this performance? Um, and this is this and The Dark Knight both are movies oh, yeah. where I think, I like, I always think that. But then when I watch it, I'm like, oh, fuck. Heath Ledger really was really fucking good in Dark Knight. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Um, and this is another one. I'm like, Anton Yelchin's really great in this. Um, well, because he plays the most skeeviest character on the planet. Yeah. He, um, he, and I like the way that he's so, like, blatantly contrasts to, like, all these kids at this party who oh, are yeah. so, like, uptight and, like, visibly rigid when they're talking to him, you know? And mm. they, like, speak in these really, like, short-clipped phrases, and Anton Yelchin's like, hey, man, you know, whatever, like, you, I'm offering you drug experiences that you'll treasure for the rest of your lives, or whatever the fuck he says. Like, yeah, something like that. It's, like, so totally, like, opposite, like, everybody around him, and it's so, so clear. So, okay, so that scene in the pool, where they're yeah. taking turns holding their breath, What's up with that scene? <laughs> I think it was showing you more of the sociopathic girl's character because we we have shown that she has such a huge control of her body, like how she could just like make herself cry by repeating what the body usually does. Right. So her basically she's doing that. She has such control over her body that she's trying to win that contest. She's holding her breath as long as possible. And then she kind of makes a mistake and does it for too long because she doesn't understand that it's scary. And so we just kind of see that she is incredibly reckless because she doesn't have any fear. Okay, that's cool except you have it backwards, though. 
Anya Taylor-Joy's character is the one who almost drowns underneath. I cannot tell the difference between the two of them when they're underwater <laughs> really? and their hair looks the same. Okay, fair enough. Is that no, just yeah. me? That's what's Are so you weird about sure it. sure that was the wrong character? No, I'm super, super duper sure. Um, okay, because well, I'm quite familiar with both of these actresses. I misread that entire scene. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, look, I, I applaud, I applaud your efforts there. Um, I'm done talking about this movie. But, You're just <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. It's just weird because like, it's showing that like Olivia Cook's character like just comes up like pretty quickly. Like it's clear that she's pretty bad at holding her breath. Um. And then Anya Taylor-Joy's character just, like, hangs out under there for too long and almost drowns. And it's like, why didn't you just come up? Like, you, we, like, even see her, like, start to struggle and being like, oh, no, like, this, oh, no good for me. But okay, everything just, like, I just said except the opposite. She is staying down there because of her emotions, because she wants to win. You know what? I think that I think that's valid. Like, the yeah. idea that, like... Olivia Cook's character doesn't want to put herself under duress because she doesn't feel that competitive urge. Mm-hmm. So she comes up quicker, whereas Annie Taylor-Joy, like, wants to prove something, so she endangers herself in that way. Yeah, I think it's foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, the... Yeah, I think that's... I think that's totally valid. And it's... Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess just... My only concern is it's just, like, it's still just kind of weird that she just, like, stays down there until she almost drowns, but whatever. Um, the, um, next thing I've written down is just, then there's the bit where the violin echoes the horse whinny, which I just can't get over. That's so cool to me. I don't know why. Um, (laughs) another moment I wrote down because I thought it was funny is when, uh, she's, like, sitting down by herself in a room and she texts that guy and she's, like, I heard you have pictures of the horse, question mark. <laughs> Which I just think is pretty funny on its own. Well, you just think the word horse is funny. That's also true, but it's also just a slight, I don't know. I think it's funny. Um, and so, and so uh, go ahead. That scene where she is like describing how she killed the horse and why. Yeah, man. It's so good. It's so good. And they don't have to show you, like, anything. This is... I think I've spoken about this um, before on the podcast, but it's similar to what they do in uh, the Daredevil TV show, where if you have a person just telling a story, you don't have to do a whole lot, (laughs) you know? Like, if it's interesting... If the dialogue and visuals are good enough for what you're doing. Exactly, yeah. In Daredevil, there's this priest character who's talking to Matt in this confessional booth, and he tells this whole story about when he was a missionary to some other place and talking about, like, warlords coming through and killing people. Um, Am I maybe getting that story mixed up with the story that Michael Caine tells in Dark Knight? Perhaps. I don't remember which is which. But, Maybe um, so. But, but you know what? That also applies to that story as well. I'm pretty sure they just hold on Michael Caine for that whole story also. So doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, if what they're talking about is interesting enough, and if the actor's performance is charismatic enough, you don't have to cut away and show people things. You can just let it sort of ruminate on them. And this is a great example of that. Yeah, at it, Harry Potter in yeah. every single one. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um but yeah, and then when they put that like sound bite of like a neck cracking at the end oh, when they like finish the story, the God is so good. God is so good. Um, well, and like it's, it, 
when you're telling a story, you do have to keep the viewer visually involved because it is a movie. It can't just be turned to a podcast for half a second. <laughs> right. But like they do that so well because they just do this slow zoom in on the girl's face and she's like telling the end of the story and like it's so like visually stimulating like it's yeah totally a very good choice um the let's see um around here is where we get to the point where they're like starting to actually put into action their plan to kill the stepdad and mm-hmm. they have Aunt, or anton yelchin's character show up and they're just like so fucking terrible to him <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, they are, like, blackmailing him and bribing him and just, like, telling him to figure shit out whenever he's like, but I'll get caught. And they're just like, not our problem. Um, well, he's also um, a child rapist, Jackson. Yeah. Well, okay. It's not quite that simple. <laughs> he had consensual sex with a younger person. Yeah, it's still shitty. It is still shitty. I'm just saying, like... He's not he's not a child molester. <laughs> okay, whatever. Yeah. I'm saying he's a shitty dude and he deserves to that is, be friends yes, for That murder. is true. But <laughs> okay. I I don't think it's very helpful for anybody to es- be like, framed for murder. <laughs> to inflate the crimes of somebody regardless of how shitty a person they are. That's messed up. At OG Simpson. OG Simpson? OJ, not OG. <laughs> no, because he didn't get, he didn't get, got, get in for, for the murder, but then he did some burglary, and they're like, well, we're gonna give you a whole bunch of more time than we usually get for burglary, because I think that you killed that person, and they sent him to jail for a long time. And I don't think that's fair. Wait, what? Start over, I was... <laughs> No, no, I'm not explaining the O.J. Simpson trial to you. Oh, I thought you were talking about Anton Yelchin's character still. No! (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. Um, Whatever, I hate this podcast. Okay, cool, good. The, um... Yeah, but this is one Uh of those scenes that's like an absolute, like, straight out of a play, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, it's all just a singular location with three characters, and they're just talking to each other. And there's not anything particularly, like, dynamic happening in terms of, no. like, physical movement. But, like, it's just, it rests entirely on the talent of the actors and the cinematographer framing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and not to mention the production design, too. This movie is so, like, most of it is set in this big, gorgeous, like, mansion. And it's just so pretty to look at all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, and the costumes, like, it's just such a, like, a lavishly decorated movie you know mm-hmm. um yeah it's very visually interesting even when the camera is not moving like the sets are just so easy to look at right um the uh okay <laughs> the one moment where i think this movie gets really hammy and they definitely lose me is when um basically anya taylor joy's character is at a spa and she knows that while she's there anton yelchin is going to kill her stepdad and when she looks down at her toes, the woman who's painting her toes is the stepdad for a second. Oh, is it? I didn't see that. Oh, were you just, like, not paying attention? Yeah, so, No, like, I was watching it. I was just like, yep, that w- that's what happens in the spa. <laughs> Are you sure that happens? Yeah, so she's... 
getting her toes painted. She looks down, and her stepdad is the one painting her toes. And then she, like, closes her eyes for a second, and it's just, like, a regular, like, spa lady that's doing her Are toes afterwards. Are you sure that Yeah, happened? I'm super sure. You must I have just not been looking at the screen for just the right moment. I don't remember seeing any of the people, because I wanted to, I had a thought, and I was like, oh, who does the person look like? And then they never showed the person. Okay, hold on. I'm going to edit most of this out because it's going to take me a minute to find it, but I'm going to put on screen capture on Discord. Okay. And I'm going to show you. Oh, I guess it fucking is him. Okay, that so there's sucks. the stepdad. Yep. And then, and then it's her. See? That's weird. Yeah, no, it's not It's not very good. I, this scene <laughs> might have lost me a little bit before they did that stupid <laughs> right, thing. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, okay, hold on. How do I turn off screen share? Um, yeah, they didn't do anything particularly interesting when she's at the spa and she's expecting for her stepdad to be murdered at any second. I thought they would do something really cool, but they kind of just, like, didn't, and so they kind of lost me for a second. Yeah. Where I was just like... You don't think the stepdad just showing up at the spa was cool? It's not cool. Uh, it's, eh. It was cool in that it ended the tension for thinking that he was going to die during right. the visit. And it brought in a new tension that was that, does he know, blah, 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 all that stuff. Yeah. But, I've, it, I've, yeah, that's the whole scene where she's just, like, at the spa is a little bit boring and uninteresting because they don't do anything interesting with it. And right. then, yeah, when he does show up, that's really interesting because it's introducing a new problem. It's introducing something new. It's not adding to what we already have you know right. it's not resolving what we already have and this uh i was gonna say the first time i saw this movie i thought for sure that the stepdad had like killed anton yelchin oh, i yeah. thought i thought that anton yelchin had like broken in and he had like killed him and now he's at the spa because he knows and i was like oh they're so fucked everyone's so fucked but then it's like yeah. not that it's i love this movie um, yeah he just chickened out and took his gun back yeah um let's see I don't have a whole lot more notes on this. Um, I like how at the very, very end of the movie, uh, just real quick, split second, right at the end, they decide to dunk on millennials real quick. Yeah. No, okay. So, that yeah, that's the last thing that I have written down. There's, um, okay, actually, before we touch on that, I just want to go back a second and talk okay. about um, the bit where um, Olivia Cook uh, gets told there's a roofie in her drink. And then and it, just yeah. ch- chugs it because she just kind of wants to see what Anya Taylor Joy is gonna do, and it's yeah. wild. It's so good, and there's like this long. It's like probably about a sixty second shot that's just Olivia Cook sleeping on a couch, mm-hmm. and Anya Taylor Joy like gets up, and there's like this really slow zoom happening the whole time. And then, like, 45 seconds later, she comes back just, like, covered in blood and starts, like, wiping it all over her. It's so yeah. crazy. Um, but, um, yeah, so right at the end, Olivia Cook gets sent to jail, basically. Yeah. Um, and there's this weird, this really weird line that they go through where it's, like, this is the letter that she's sending back where they talk about... it. Basically, like, imagine a really ham-fisted monologue at the end of a movie where they're like talking really explicitly they're like talking really explicitly about all the themes of the movie in like a really t-shirt canony way except that 
the themes that they're talking about are not at all the themes of the movie. Well, it's it's the dramatic spotlight at the end of the play where they go, I'll have another coffee. <laughs> like, Man. it's like this weird monologue lifted out of a different story and put in this one. They're like... It- everyone's so absorbed in their cell phones that they all just die and the horses take over. And you're like, what the fuck? This movie didn't even have a cell phone in it. Well, okay, because she is talking about her time in the asylum and she's a sociopath and we know that. And she's like, it's not that bad here. The people are nice. I'm basically just fucking with the people who are trying to diagnose me because I know, because we both know that I didn't actually murder the dad. Right. Blah, 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 all this stuff. And she's like, I have a dream where you're, we're in your living room and you're screaming at me that I have a horse head and I try to tell you that I don't, but I only Winnie. And like, that's really cool. That's right. a theme. That brings up the idea that maybe even her subconscious is guilty and she's not. And then she has a second, and she's like, I also have another dream that uh, fuck millennials and horses rule the world. I also and have like, a dream where kids these days just can't stay off their dang phones. Yeah, and they're going to ruin society as a whole because <laughs> they're too busy on the Facebooks. Right. And it's like, you you are 16. You yeah. should hate yourself right now yeah, for saying that. Just like, why? Like, what was that? Yeah. It's such like a weird blink and you'll miss it moment, right? It's just like, uh, what? Excuse me? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just like a real quick dunk. I don't even know why. <laughs> yeah. Like, this whole movie seems so, like, that... It, it, when you have a story about teenagers, it can either be very like, oh, teenagers today, or it can right. be very just like, this is a story about teenagers. And it was very much like, oh, this is just a story about teenagers. But then they just slipped the quick one, like, <laughs> right at the end. And right. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you, why, why are you doing this? Um, I'm trying to think if there are any other moments I want to touch on before we start to kind of wrap up. That um, really, I, the end line of this movie, I think, is really interesting, where basically the guy, she runs into rapist guy again, and he's like, well, what did the letter say? And she's like, I don't know, I just threw it away, and then the movie ends. And I like that line because she's either lying or she's telling the truth, and both are very interesting. Yeah, no, and it implies that, like, even though she's the one who's not a sociopath, she's the one who's just not caring, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, she can't be bothered to to read the letter, you know? She doesn't care anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or she did read the letter, and she's just like, hey, f- screw you guy. But that's, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'll never tell. <laughs> I'll never tell. It's my little secret. Bye. <laughs> So, yeah, okay, so general thoughts, Adeline, Thoroughbreds, I, go. This movie is a really cool concept. It's executed very well. The cinematography is just so gorgeous and cool. The story is very interesting and develops in a very suspenseful and original and cool way. Uh, yeah, it's just a really good movie. It dunks on millennials real quick at the end. Before that, it's, like, really, really cool and really, really good. This was one of the movies that came out... Um, I think I think it debuted in festivals in 2017, but it came out in like general in 2018. Yeah. And it was one of the movies that I was like sort of surprised that like nobody was really talking about it. That's part of the reason why I brought it today was because I just wanted to tell people about it because it's yeah. really good and nobody's seen it and I want people to see it because I like it a lot. Um it's just it's this movie that totally slipped under the radar and I just felt like we totally moved on to the next thing and I was sitting there like Hey, wait, like, 
But this, this was rad. Come back. Like, yeah, I really liked this one. Um, it's one of like four movies from last year that would have been great Oscar movies if they had just tried to Wait, be an Oscar movie at all. Yeah. Like this same year, uh, Hereditary and Eighth Grade also came out, which would have been big time Oscar movies. But they all came out like in the summer and they had like no campaigning whatsoever for any Oscar oh, yeah. stuff. And so they just didn't get anything. And it was like, oh, you could have. You could have, though. And, like, th- I don't know. And last year was, like, the worst Oscar year ever, so... Oh, yeah, there was nothing good. It's your fault, Thoroughbreds. And for that, I hate you. Oh, I was um, going to say sorry. Oh, we should have Keisha on to talk about uh, Hereditary. <laughs> no. Because she walked out of it in the movie yeah. theater. Um, by the way, um... I was about to just start talking about what we should do in the future on the podcast, but I realized that that should be something I should talk to you about when we're not recording the podcast. Hey. Um, yeah, I know what I want to do for mine next week, but we can talk about it. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you anyway, have a secondary Do you want to almost talk about something we don't want to talk about a couple more times before we move Yeah, on? let's go. I'm too close to my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Thoroughbreds, um, 8 out of Good. 10. Should That's we start doing movie. that? Should we start having a numerical rating at the end? A uh, 12 out of 4 Star Treks. Give it one and a half enthusiastic thumbs up. <laughs> I give it one thumb up and one finger guns. <laughs> and I wink I'm flipping at it. it off, but like in like a positive, like friendly, like, yeah. hey, kind of flipping it's it like off. It's like kind of like, uh, hey, what's up? Like, fuck you. Yeah, like you we're know? buddies. We know each other. It's like, it's cool because we're so close, you know? That's what yeah. makes it fun. Uh... <laughs> I give this movie a friendly fuck you. Yeah, a a friendly bird. (laughs) When when I'm a professional film critic, I'm going to come up with my own super whack rating system that's, like, all based on hand gestures. (laughs) Like, the highest is, like, an enthusiastic two thumbs up, and the lowest is, like, the up yours motion, you know? Yeah. Where you, like, put your your arm on your bicep. Yeah. Implying that you're like gonna put your fist up their butthole. Yeah. Um, that's the worst you can get. (laughs) And in the middle, there's just like a whole bunch of like, I give it. One of them is the bird with the (laughs) sound. (laughs) I give this one two finger guns and a wink. (laughs) I don't like the wink. (laughs) The wink's bad. I give this one an SOS that I'm blinking out in Morse code. I give this one a please help me. (laughs) (laughs) I give this one a, this is not a joke. I am being held hostage. Please send help. (laughs) You will never find a body. 401-45-3729. Raccoon, Foxtrot, Foxtrot, Tango. (laughs) I like especially that Raccoon is not a member of the of the phonetic alphabet, so it's like this weird extra part of the code. That's yeah. Like extra steps to decoding. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do you want to go first with your secondary thing, or do you want me to? I could go first. Okay. My, it's not my secondary. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> Start over. No. Yes, please do. All right. My Just secondary. say, hi, my name's Adeline, and this is my secondary thing. And then continue. That's what you should do. 
for my secondary thing uh, this week... You can put some spin on it if you want. You can, like, put some of your own, like, personal flair in it. That's what people are really looking for when they're, like, doing job interviews or auditions. It's, like, something something that's unique to you, like, even through the sort of professional veil, you know? Okay, try again. What's up, fuckers? Uh, This week, we're playing Minecraft. (laughs) Is that your secondary thing, Minecraft? Episode 358. Are you going to talk about Minecraft this week? No, I'm not gonna talk about Minecraft. Okay. I'm not spending thirty. Okay, <laughs> that was perfect. Quick, Continue. quick thing. I want to play Minecraft so badly, but I just like can't get myself to spend thirty dollars on Minecraft. You know? <laughs> yeah. I feel and you. then apparently it was on sale for ten dollars for the ten year anniversary, and I didn't know that, and now I can't do it anymore. And now I'm like, oh, I don't want to spend thirty dollars on Minecraft. Right. What's up with this weird Minecraft renaissance we're living through? All I of a sudden, am so down. It's because Minecraft is a really good game. Even it is though, a really good game. Even though the guy who made it is an anti Semite, but everything else is great. Right. Death of the artist. <laughs> and by that, I mean I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> I'm gonna kill Mojang. No, that's the name of the company. What's his name? No, Notch. Notch. That's a stupid name. It is a stupid name. He's a stupid man. <laughs> He has a candy room in his house, though. Yeah, no, did you hear that all of the candy in that room goes rotten, like, all the time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's the life. This has been the roast of Notch. Do you think he's somebody's stepdad? Probably. <laughs> Seems like the Notch material. Anyway, all right. My secondary thing. The thing that I'm doing. There we go. Uh, me and my family, we've watched uh, The Good Place, season one. Not season two. Because I haven't watched that one. But yeah. So, good. The Good Place. I keep wanting to say Good Omens, and I haven't seen Good Omens yet. Uh, the Good Place is this TV show that is about this woman who dies and goes to ba- what is basically heaven. They don't subscribe to a specific religion or way of thinking. They're like, this is the quote-unquote good place, and there's also a quote-unquote bad place. Which I really respect, and they handle it in a very good way. Uh, they also make jokes about it, which is fun. But, so she dies and she goes to a good place. And, like, throughout the first episode, you kind of realize, well, she realizes, first of all, that uh, she is not supposed to be there and they have mistaken her identity and she's supposed to be in the bad place. And that's a really interesting concept. But what I was afraid before actually watching the show was that I thought it was going to be very predictable. I thought it was going to be just, like, I knew that they were going to be teaching her to be good so she could stay there, and I thought there would be, like, a comedy based around that, and, like, that's the end goal, and that would be the end of it. But they totally don't do that. They totally go in their own original way and do a bunch of really cool original stuff, and that it ends up being a totally different experience than I expected, <laughs> and it's really good. Because the show does start off with them trying to teach her how to be a good person, but then you kind of realize that all of the bad things that she does end up doing because she's a bad person in the good place end up kind of destroying the good place. And then there's a whole, all these other twists and turns that happen and she does start to become a good person, but she still doesn't belong there. And it's this really cool theological discussion and discussion about morality. And it's a really good show. And it's really, it's on Netflix. It's really easy to watch. Is it on Netflix? It might be on Hulu. I think it's on Netflix. It's on one of them. It's on one of them. But yeah, it's really good, and I would totally recommend checking it out. It's very funny, and also very good. Yeah. And that's why I really like it. I gotta watch TV. I feel yeah. like I say this all the time. I'm so bad at watching television. No, me too. I, um, I, I don't know. 
Um, hour-long dramas especially, I just, (laughs) I can't, I can't, like, dedicate that much time to something, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, every other person in the world watches television while they're, like, doing something else. Yeah. And, like, part, I guess it's just, like, my sort of film student active watching personality that it's like I want to pay attention like I want to absorb everything that this has to offer to me and I want to like be present for the experience yeah I don't want to like with podcasts and stuff you can just put it on in the background because there's only one part of it that you need to pay attention to but like with a show or a movie it's like well I either have to like pay attention to it or not pay attention to it like (laughs) there's no there's no in between yeah and, but, you know, that's, I think I, if I'm going to watch television, that's something I'm just going to have to accept. I'm going to have to do it while yeah. I'm doing other things. And I'm not going to be, like, president engaged 100% of the time. But that's okay, yeah. though, because every television show in the world gets boring eventually. So Yeah. No, <laughs> like, I, I really want to watch Good Omens. And it's the same kind of thing where each episode is an hour long. And there's only, like, six episodes. Yeah. But I was like, man, that's six hours. <laughs> I know. And, and I that's know even, you're... Like, that's, like, on the shorter end of the spectrum. I know. Like, that's shows. a short... That's a very short TV show. But I'm like... It's also just me that if I can't sit down and watch the whole thing, I, I struggle to come back to it just right. because I have a short attention span. So even yeah. if I really like it, I'll struggle to like come back and sit down for it more. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, when it's like, oh, it's six hours long, it's like, oh, that means I can watch it for like three hours and then probably that's never it, come back and then to I have it. to come back to it. Yeah. yeah. No, I literally I did like exactly that with Good Omens when I was in Salt yeah. Lake City. I watched the first two episodes, and I was like, tight, this is fun. I'll probably finish this off. It's nice and short. Ah, didn't just never it. did. Just didn't yeah. do it. Yep. I mean, I don't know. I still might, but... um. Well, it even sucks with longer things. Like, I haven't finished The Adventure Zone, and, like, I know the full story of The Adventure Zone. I'm still in the stolen century of The Adventure Zone, because I just can't sit down and finish it. Like, <laughs> right. I'm the worst. Yeah. Um, the uh, I'm trying to think about what TV shows I've, like, actually watched front to back since I don't know Doctor Who when okay, I was we, in middle we school. dropped off of that Doctor Who train got yeah. quite a while ago um, Daredevil and Jessica Jones yeah um, I watched the whole first season of Luke Cage I think that's pretty much it I think I maybe I watched only watched Netflix Marvel season. television I watched all the first season of She-Ra I have yet to come back for the second season though right. so that just oh serious unfortunate events it. I devoured awesome. series of unfortunate events. Uh, yep, I watched the first season of it, <laughs> and I'm behind again. Yeah, man. Series of unfortunate. No, I watched is all so of good. Steven Universe. I watched all of Steven Universe. Right. Um, I I got two seasons into Breaking Bad, and like, okay, I know I'm, this isn't like a hot take, <laughs> but Breaking Bad's really fucking good. Yeah. Like, you know what I just said a minute ago? How like every TV show in the world is boring sometimes. Yeah. That hasn't happened yet with Breaking Bad at the beginning of the third season. <laughs> like, literally every episode is, like, so stuffed to the brim of, like, true and genuine, like, engaging content that yeah. it's, like, I don't know how, like, it's, to it's, I don't know, I guess I'm not hugely television literate, but to me it seems, like, unprecedented, the like, how good Breaking Bad is in terms of, like, oh, yeah. a television show. It's wild. Um, anyway, do you want to hear about my thing? 
Yeah, what's your thing? Do you want me to talk about a TV show that I started watching that I haven't finished yet? Sure, go. Okay, so I got my... I finally decided to take the plunge and uh, get my HBO subscription in an effort to make myself watch more television. Um, and the first one that I started out with is a show called Barry. It's um, another... It's it's another dark comedy um, <laughs> that uh, Bill Hader stars in. He plays... Um, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, an ex-military hitman who decides he wants to be an actor instead. Um, <laughs> and it's really good because, you know, at the beginning of the movie, he's just, he's a hitman. He's killing people. He's like yeah. doing all that thing. But he, it's starting to like really take a toll on him. And he gets booked to do this job in L.A. And he has to kill this guy who's like in an amateur acting class. And so he just like, sits in on this amateur acting class to sort of, like, scope him out, and he's like, <laughs> oh, this looks really fun and cool. I think I want to do this instead of killing people for money. <laughs> That's um, really good. Yeah, it is really good. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's really interesting because, like, there's a lot of really fleshed-out characters in it. Um, specifically, um, Stephen Root, the guy who plays, like, Bill on King of the Hill and the blind guy in Oh Brother Where Art Thou. He's, like, one of my favorite yeah. character actors. Um, he plays sort of Bill Hader's boss, who's like, you can't just be an actor, you are you have to keep being a hitman. That's Steven Root. Um, yeah. And, uh, what's his name? I just want to call him Barry Zuckercorn, because that's the name of his character on Arrested Development. Um, <laughs> the, the guy who played Fonzie, and he was John Ralphio's dad. Um, he played Fonzie? Yeah, he played Fonzie. Um, I just know nothing about Fonzie is what I'm learning <laughs> about the world. God damn it. What's his name? No, yeah. He's got a crazy character arc when he was, like, the coolest, suavest guy in the world. And then he hit, like, 50 and all of a sudden he started playing, like, weirdly creepy old man. Yeah. Um, he's... God damn it. Uh, but he plays the, the theater teacher. Hold on. Fonzie. <laughs> Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler is his name. Um... But he plays the acting teacher, and he has a lot of really great moments. And, you know, it's just totally his, like, his Stick. type of character. Yeah, he's, yeah. like, this guy who's, like, really friendly, but, like, weirdly pathetic and kind of creepy at the same time. You yeah. Know? Um, but, yeah, and it's it's just wonderful. And it's one of the only pieces of, like, media about show business I can think of that takes acting seriously as a profession, you know? Like, yeah. it feels like whenever you see actors on TV, or I mean, characters who are actors in film or television, they're mostly just sort of a vehicle for inside jokes. Yeah. Um, about, it's either, like, jokes, of, like, inside jokes about acting written by actors, or, like, the directors dunking on actors. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> um, but, like, this show, like, really takes the idea of, like, people living in L.A. and working really hard to have a career in acting. Like, they take it really seriously and they develop them really strongly as characters. Don't yeah. get me wrong. There are some in-jokes about actors still. But it's... <laughs> they don't get rid of that. Yeah. It's still, like, a very... Like, the characters are all very genuine in that way, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Um... Well, I'm sure whatever jokes they're making are true of real life as well. Right. And, you know, I took acting classes all through high school and through community college. So I've got sort of a, um, like, a reference point for, like, what acting classes are like in general. Yeah. 
And it makes you really realize when you're, like, seeing things through Bill Hader's perspective how weirdly obtuse it is to somebody who's just walking in fresh, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, all these things about, like, accessing emotions. And they do this exercise where they're like, okay, so you're, like, you're in a grocery store. It's, like, trying to, like, delve into the psyche of this character, you know? And they're like, okay, Bill Hader, you're, like, in the grocery store. Uh, You're walking down the aisle. What do you see on the shelves? He's like, what do you mean? What do I see on the shelves? I can't why that's not my I don't know where I am I don't know what part of the store I'm in it's like no you have to make a decision you have to know like what do you see yeah. on the shelves what is, what's your character see on the shelves it's like well, he would see what anybody would see on the shelves like what do you what do you mean you know like yeah and it's it's really interesting the way they sort of like dissect like the acting process through the lens of this guy a who's hit a professional man. hitman <laughs> yeah it's really funny um yeah, it's just a great show, and the best part about it is that they are half-hour episodes, which is mwah, my favorite thing in the world. Um, and that's why I really like it. It's called Barry, and it's on the home box office, HBO. Is it B-A-R-R-Y? Yes, it is. He's a super awesome guy. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, Adeline, do you want to hear... A one-star review of the film Thoroughbreds. After that, yes. Um, great. I would love to read it to you, except that the thumbprint scanner on my phone doesn't work, and it's not letting me in. Okay, there we go. One moment, one moment. (laughs) Except that my phone has been thrown down a toilet, and I have no (laughs) longer have any access to it. Okay, this review, he gives Thoroughbreds one half of a star. It's from Mm -hmm. Letterboxd user um, Oak... Oakleyas. O-A-K-L-E-Y-A-S. Oakleyas. Oakleyas. This person says, Hated this film. Also, I was almost stabbed in the theater while watching it. (laughs) (laughs) Where were you, sir? (laughs) It's like, I don't don't know if that affected his judgment of the film. Yeah. If he's just rating his theater-going experience. Like, if he got st- almost got stabbed during, like, Toy Story, would it be like, Toy Story fucking sucks, man. <laughs> also was almost stabbed. <laughs> also. Uh, my name's Jackson McMurray. <laughs> my name's Ally McMurray. And this has been No Nerds Allowed. And they're, and they're going, they're running, they're running away, they're screaming, and the nerds are gone. Great. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't you just yes and me? They just gotta get out of here before we almost stab them. Yeah. In a theater while they're watching Thoroughbreds. <laughs> <laughs>